Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Suge Burry. Hey, ladies, don't you just love it when other women tell it like it is? You know, that beat around the bush, cotton candy, you know, are you really saying this? That doesn't help any of us. But what does help is when we're direct and to the point and we speak what God has put on our hearts. And we got to remember this. God has told us in Scripture that when we speak, we're supposed to do it in loving kindness. And so that's the key behind all of this. My name is Suge Burry, and I am the host of Him For Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. I don't know why you guys are listening to any other podcasts or shows, because this is the one. I love what God does in and through each of our guests. And who am I next to? I'm next to Miss Reagan Kramer. Thank you, Reagan, for coming on. Love being here, Suge. Oh, my gosh, we got a good story today. Lee Michaels is behind the big sound booth. Thank you, Mr. Lee, for all of your hard work. And we have an awesome guest today. Senator Scott Jensen. He's a senator from Minnesota. Reagan, will you just open a little bit about his bio? We talked about it in part one, and this is part two. Dr. and Senator Scott Jensen has been in a family practice for 35 years, mm-hmm. and he is married to Mary. He's got three beautiful children. He's a grandfather. He has been a state senator since 2016 and a Republican Minnesota state senator, and he is He's just on fire for the Lord. Yeah, he he is. is on the front lines. He is uh, sharing truth, and he is a light in the darkness in these hard times. He loves Jesus, and I'm just so thankful that God is using his uh, background in medicine and politics at this time to show people uh, a different view of what they might hear in the media. And uh, we just we're so thankful for you, Senator. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being here and. We're just praying that God uses this uh, radio show to really bring in truth to people that are confused and in some order into their lives. Well, thank you, Reagan, and thank you, Shug. I appreciate being on. You know, little did you know that the topic would be called invasion, not by body snatchers, friends, but by the government. And so we're talking about COVID right now, and I've had covid I've had it twice. Actually, I don't even know how that happens. I had it last February when I was at uh, Disney World, and um, and then I had it again. Supposedly, I came up positive just uh, you know a month and a half ago, and I had no symptoms that time. The first time I had all the symptoms. I have low immunity. I'm that person they say to stay home. Um, I have asthma as well. And um, if I had not heard that word COVID, I would have just thought it was a really bad sinus infection. Um, but there are also people that really handle this poorly and it invades their body, basically. Um, And so I want to talk about Governor Waltz, who is our Minnesota governor. He came on and shared with everybody a bunch of limitations about what we should do and not do, especially around the holidays. Like he doesn't even want you to have your friend over to watch a football game, even if you're sitting six feet apart. Um, And so let me ask you this question, Senator. I know that you like to golf. Your wife likes to golf. Hello, Mary. And um, if you were to give... Governor Waltz, a mulligan. What would you tell him? Well, I think in life, life's a a tough challenge, and I think we all at times wish we could have a Mm do-over. I think it's important to realize that Governor Waltz has an extremely difficult job, but I I think that four areas for me have been problematic. And again, I I think that 
if Governor Walls and I were here standing, talking face-to-face, I think we, we might even be able to carve out a fairly wide swath of common ground that we might agree on. I think there has been data corruption, perhaps unwittingly, but I, I think that the CDC initiated a process whereby there was an encouragement to use COVID-19 as a diagnosis, whether it be as a hospital discharge summary or even as the cause of death on a death certificate. And I think that really muddied the waters. In my previous 35 years in medicine, I've never experienced that before. And I think that that was the initiation of this. In addition, we've seen muddied waters with the false positive rate of PCR testing. And so this is really, if you will, invalidated many of the PCR tests. We've had people get four tests within a 12-hour period, two positives, two negatives, the same nurse administering the tests. So we know that there's problems in that regard as well. So overall, the data for this pandemic has been corrupted at some level, and it makes it more difficult for trust to develop. I think another area is invasion of individual rights. When Governor Walls made a decision in one of his executive orders to distribute to 500 law enforcement agencies around Minnesota the addresses of any homes that had active COVID-19 in them, this was an intrusion into privacy. This was a violation of HIPAA. Governor Walls used his executive orders and peacetime powers to do this. But even the ACLU, which is definitely an organization which typically might lean in his direction, they came out and questioned it. And so did the Minneapolis Star Tribune editorial uh, at that given time come out. And then I think we, we've also seen truly the expansion of government in a way that Supreme Court Justice uh, Samuel Alito has referenced. We're seeing literally government by executive fiat rather than utilizing the normal legislative channels whereby we get some judiciary oversight as well. We're seeing Americans and Minnesotans told, you can't do this and you Mm -hmm. can do this. You will do this. You'll wear masks. You won't go out. Your business will close. Your kids won't go to school. By the way, you can't do this, but you can do this. Oh, and the uh, the hair salons, yeah, they might have been closed the first time around, but this time I'm going to let them be an essential business. They get to stay open. Uh, what was the logic behind that? It doesn't seem to matter. We've seen, if you will, executive government power grow in leaps and bounds with no particular accountability. And lastly, we've seen transparency thrown to the wind. When we've been getting data on the dashboard for the Minnesota Department of Health, whereby we understood that we were doing okay, frequently that data, those numbers, those metrics disappeared, and we were given different information. We might have been told that it was because the information we were seeing made it difficult for us to arrive at appropriate conclusions, but that sounds Orwellian to me. That sounds like 1984, and I'm not buying it. So I think those would be the areas that if I could give Governor Walls a mulligan, I'd say look at those four areas of data corruption, invasion of rights, expansion of powers, and transparency lost. That's a real problem, and I think that's partly why Governor Walls is not getting the buy-in that he'd like. You know, I I just got to interject for just a minute. What are your views um, as a doctor on the masks? Well, I don't think masks is the hill that I want to die on. I think if you actually look at the physics, it's not a a particularly challenging uh, research project. The pore size effectively in a cotton or surgical mask is 5 microns. The size of a COVID-19 particle is 0.1 micron. Mm. That's a difference of 50. That's the same difference between the 2-inch gap in a chain-link fence and a gnat. You'd have to line up 50 gnats from nose to tail to bridge 
that two inch cable strip that you have in a chain link fence. Well, nobody's going to put a chain link fence up around their yard in order to keep gnats out. And that's sort of what we're saying with the mask. Now, can a mask reduce the potential viral load transmitted during a cough or a sneeze? Yes. Recent studies have indicated that it might be anywhere from 28 to 45% reduction. So if we reduce the spread of a million particles ejaculated during a cough or a sneeze, fine. But that still means that a half a million particles moved through that mask, and that means that there's more than an adequate viral load coming at a person that could cause disease. So if we're allowing masks to lull us into a false sense of security, this is not a good thing. So I really think that when it comes to masks, yeah, there might be some mitigation there. Great. But I don't think that we should forget the fact that with masks, we're seeing a lot more touching of the nose, the mm-hmm. eyes, the mouth, flipping them on, flipping them off. I mean, there are so many gaps whereby air is transmitted up underneath the eyes, back by the jaw, underneath the neck. For people who wear beards, most mask experts would tell you right out of the box that if you have facial hair, you're frequently going to ruin any kind of a fitting criteria that would be necessary. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to realize that. But on the other hand, I understand that emotionally, we all want to be good soldiers and do whatever we can. But I don't think we should lose perspective on the fact that masks are not the do-all, end-all. When you say emotionally, I'm glad you brought that up because we are spiritual beings, mind, body, spirit, and soul. Dr. Jensen, and I just, I keep hearing stories that break my heart about young people that are struggling with severe depression right now. They've never had anxiety attacks. Now they're occurring quite frequently, um, an increased rate in suicide, drug addiction, drug abuse. And I don't hear this talked about that much in our state, in that much in our country or through the media. And if, if we're saying we care so much about each other, why aren't we discussing these things that are literally destroying people's lives spiritually, emotionally, mentally, as well as physically. And, you know, not to forget, Reagan, is that all the prisons are on lockdown. Every I single know. prison. That breaks my heart, you know, too. Basically in the nation, which means I haven't been able to go in there since last January. And all I'm able to do is write them a newsletter that, you know, a, a letter that they put in their newsletter. Even Christian programming, as far as I'm seeing, now someone please call me and correct me if I'm wrong, is not happening inside of the prison. Some of this data doesn't appear on a nifty dashboard, but that doesn't make it any less real. If you actually look at some of the statistics, for me personally, I've never had a period of time as this in regards to suicidal ideation and suicide accomplishment. Typically between 18 and 25, somewhere around 6%, maybe even a little bit more of people will wonder, how would life be if they just weren't around? Mm. That number has tripled. Mm. We've seen 40% of physicians say they're depressed. We typically have some three to 400 physicians commit suicide every year. Suicidal ideation, suicide itself, mental health issues, depression, and alcohol consumption are off the charts. Never in my medical career have I seen such a turning in regards to our overall mental health. And a lot of people just, they don't really recognize what it is. They just know that something's off. They're not quite as loving. They're not quite as tender. They're not quite as comfortable with who they are. They don't, they don't get a chance to have that enthusiasm or excitement for something that they normally might have a great deal of enthusiasm for. It's, 
it's the COVID, it's the COVID cloud of uh, melancholy that we're living under, mm-hmm. and it's having a profound impact on us. But but yes, Governor Walls, I understand it doesn't show up on your dashboard, mm-hmm. so it may not be quite so real. Mm-hmm. And does prevention? Okay, we're talking like how do we? Okay, I'm a researcher. I've been researching for months. There's tons of natural things we can be doing, supplements, uh, food-grade hydrogen peroxide, even gargling. And some people think I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, but guess what? The research shows that it kills COVID. What do you think? The elephant in the room right now seems to be the number of cases we have. Even though we're doing an incredible amount of testing, even though we know there's a substantial false positive rate with our testing uh, techniques. What the elephant in the room should be is, what can I do to make my immune system stronger? What can I do to prevent? We know that zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D can all help. We know that even a five-pound weight loss can have an advantageous impact on our immune system. We also know that if people are stressed, fearful, and constantly anxious, Mm -hmm. that does impact negatively on their immune system. Decent studies have been done in the military regarding this. When people are stressed, they're more susceptible to illness. Mm -hmm. We need to do better. We should have patients, if they call the Department of Health because they have COVID and ask, what can I do? They should not be told nothing. Wait until you either get better or worse. And if you get worse, you might end up in the hospital. They should be told, listen, you can do some real things. Go ahead, take a walk. Get on some vitamin C, some vitamin D, zinc. Um, Do some gargling, lose five pounds, try to eat healthier, do some meditation, Mm -hmm. pray. Mm -hmm. These things matter. Mm -hmm. This is what we should be talking about. Instead, we have this almost fait accompli attitude where we say, oh, too bad for you. Get better, get worse. And if you get worse, you're going to find that in the hospital, several of your options are no longer options because you're too sick for them now. Right. Yeah, ladies, my name is Sugbury, and this is Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. And we have with us Minnesota Senator and Dr. Scott Jensen. And he's sharing with us, not only from a political standpoint, but from a medical standpoint, all the challenges you are going through with COVID. Um, And I love his outlook because he is going against what some of the norm is. Instead of just going with the flow, let's think about this. Let's analyze it. Let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation around it. Um, He shared earlier about giving um, Governor Waltz a mulligan and how he would do it over again. I thought those were great words of wisdom. On part one, we covered a lot of ground there as well. So please listen to that. I've got a two-part question for you, Senator. The first part is I've had COVID. First time I had all the symptoms of what I thought would have been a terrible virus. Um, You know, of course, I had difficulty breathing, et cetera. I have asthma. Um, And then my doctor immediately sent me prednisone. This was early on. Um, a steroid. She gave me my emergency inhaler, et cetera. And I think those were the right precautions that she sent me. Second time, I don't still get why I was even positive. My husband went South Dakota um, uh, pheasant hunting and everybody in his party ended up uh, with COVID positive. And so he went in to get tested. I'm like, well, I'm along. I'll go in and test with you as well. And just like you had said, my uh, brother-in-law did a nasal test and he also did a saliva test one came back negative the other one came back positive so when mine came back positive with zero absolutely zero symptoms could it be that that was a wrong test or could it be that we can be getting this and not even know we have it it could potentially be either but i i think frankly my own medical opinion is that you had a false positive test Mm -hmm. i would quote dr fauci dr fauci made a statement in a video of few months ago, and I actually 
put a video out about two weeks ago where I actually incorporated Dr. Fauci's interview when he was asked this question. But he talked about the PCR testing that we do, and he, he referenced the fact that frequently with the false positive rating that we get with some of these tests, that you can be determining nothing more than dead nucleotides is what he had said. A PCR test is not looking for the virus. It's looking for just a little snippet. And if you run the cycle enough times, if you get up over 40, which for some reason the FDA has allowed, it's sort of like doing a hearing test on someone. And if they don't hear the noise that we're giving them, we raise it up a little bit more and we raise it up a little bit more. And if we end up having to go to 120 decibels in order for our patient to say, yes, I hear the tone now. Well, 120 decibels is standing 10 feet away from a Boeing 747 taken off at an airport. Well, of course you're going to hear that unless you're stone deaf or dead. Uh, This is exactly what happens with the PCR testing. When we keep cycling over and over again, by the time we get to 40, we're in the trillions. You might have a dead piece of RNA nucleotides that has been sitting around in your sinus cavity or your lungs that got expectorated or coughed up and it was picked up. You have no infectiousness at all. You had no symptoms. I would be inclined to say you had a false positive, and if you might have been tested an hour later, it may well have been negative. Wow. That's interesting. I've heard a ton about this vaccine coming out from different companies. I've done some research. Um, It's scary to me. It sounds like there's a lot of experimental things going on, not enough testing. I've read about uh, RNA in the vaccine that they've never had before in a vaccine. Dr. Jensen, what do you think? I mean, in light of all this, we know that there's natural remedies that if we get COVID, that can help us get through it quickly with minimal symptoms, most people, not all people. Um, But I hear the media and a a lot of people pushing the vaccine, and then we're going to be okay, quote, unquote. How do you feel about that? Well, I think in the end, what we're dealing with is a new virus that we've had around for We don't know exactly when it came here, but we figure somewhere between 9 and 12 months. In order to get to that magic thing we refer to as herd immunity, we know that getting the disease and getting over it is one way. We know that you can do that with cellular immunity. We know you can do that with antibody-driven immunity. And we know that some people have literally a disease resistance. In the same way that in Jesus' day, perhaps 90% of the population was resistant to even potentially getting leprosy. Mm. Uh, People could have put it on their Cheerios in the morning and they wouldn't have gotten leprosy. We know that there's an intrinsic disease resistance for some folks. Those are three significant ways that we can, if you will, approach herd immunity. A vaccine would be a wonderful thing where it could potentially bring us to that point. The problem is vaccines are not a shot of penicillin to kill strep throat. A vaccine is a medical intervention. We're injecting something into the body or administering something into the body, asking, hoping for that substance to evoke an immune response. That's the same thing we do with chemotherapy with cancer. This is a medical intervention. At the very least, we need to know that if we're doing some shortcuts, if we're putting this on the fast track, how do we know which of the important steps were shortchanged? Which ones were, if you will, sidestepped? We have to know that. And then I think we also need to know that people have to have a choice because we, we don't have a government that mandates that we're going to hold you down while we administer something that you don't want. So for me, I'm hoping that we can get a vaccine that's efficacious, powerfully effective, safe. But I would remind people that we've had vaccine 
uh, programs that have failed, that have caused more problems than they've helped. We had the rotavirus in the early 2000s that killed kids. Mm -hmm. And we also had the swine flu in 1976 Mm -hmm. that had to be suspended because of the amount of Guillain-Barre that occurred. So we need to be cautious. So what would you tell a mother? Let's say she's had COVID already, been tested positive. Should she get the vaccine? If a person's had COVID-19 and has antibodies, I would not anticipate that they should be getting that vaccine. I would think that vaccine should be allowed or made available to someone who hasn't had it. Mm -hmm. I would certainly hope that we're very thoughtful in that regard. I'm very concerned about that question, but it's a good one. And, you know, a lot of people are saying... Uh, could be the vaccine will make me worse or I'll have different side effects or why should I do that? Um, And, you know, it's a concern of everybody. You know, I know that um, as I talk to my family out in California, um, California has a different way of thinking, so to speak, than Minnesota does. And, um, you know, basically you're crazy if you're not thinking about getting this vaccine or I don't think that, um, you, you know, you should ever go outside without a mask, they might be thinking. And could it be, Um, Dr. Jensen, that it just will even have to get it in order for it to go away. Well, it's possible. But generally, when we get these new kind of viruses or even influenza strains, uh, the likelihood that the entire 100 percent of the population gets it is actually quite small. Um, typically it's not like, likely to get much more of an infection rate than 30% mm-hmm. if you look at some of the influenza vaccines or epidemics of the past, I should say. So I, I think we're going to have to remember that the situation is fluid. I think that oftentimes the virus will mutate downwards and it'll become less virulent and it'll become almost, if you will, assimilated into our society, and it won't cause the problems, and we won't even diagnose it. We might think, mm-hmm. oh, we had a bad flu, or we might think we had a cold. That that frequently happens. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to have to say that we'll have to watch and know that this is a fluid situation. Mm-hmm. We don't have much time, but Galatians 5.1 said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Dr. Jensen for the 35-year-old mom out there with three kids that doesn't know what to do, where to look for truth, how to um, just calm their children's fears during this time and their own, what advice as a physician would you give them? Be kind to yourself. Oftentimes we're hardest on ourselves. If there's one particular profoundness that's traveled with me and my faith, it's that I don't have to explain myself to God. Mm -hmm. He understands me. Give yourself that same kind of grace. He understands you. John 14, 27, my peace I give you, not as the earth giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You can let go of it. You don't have to ritualistically and obsessively try to explain your heart to God. Mm -hmm. He understands. That's that's really one of the most important things you can do. You love your family. You love your your kids, your, your, your your. the people in your life, know that you love them and, and, and know that you've got a good heart. Mm-hmm. Be kind to yourself. That's just great words of wisdom Amen. to end on. Can you please tell us, Senator Jensen, how can we pray for you? Mm-hmm. Well, it was mentioned earlier, discernment. My wife and I, we find ourselves on a path that we hadn't anticipated. What does our future look like? Mm-hmm. What are we supposed to do next? Well, let me ask you that question. Are you planning or thinking of running for governor? <laughs> I'm going to come right back to that discernment. If you'd asked me a year ago, I would have said absolutely not. Mm-hmm. If you asked me today, I say, well, it really feels like God is, if you will, helping me steer the wheel. And where am I supposed to go? So 
right now, I feel humbled by the sense that my voice has been elevated. I don't know why. I don't know what the future holds. And I want to be responsive. So quite frankly, nothing is off the table. Well, amen to that. Ladies, I really do encourage you, though, if you have a moment to go online, find his book called Relationship Matters. The foundation of medical care is fracturing. And I got to tell you, our government seems to be fracturing as well when it comes to communicating with us. So let's just pray. Father God, I Mm -hmm. thank you so much for uh, Senator Jensen, for his servitude, for coming on, for being with us. Lord, I pray that we will always keep our eyes fixed on you, that we won't freak out, that we'll trust in you, Lord, and use us boldly for your noble purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said... Amen. Amen. Ladies, this is Shug Burry, and I am the host of Him for Radio Women's Hot Topics, over and out. Hey, ladies, this is Shug Burry, and I'm the host of Him for Her Radio Women's Hot Topics. I am so glad that you have found our show amongst the millions of podcasts that are out there. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, would you please do me a favor? Like it, rate it, thumbs up. We're on YouTube as well, so don't forget to find us there. You can watch our guests also. Please subscribe so you don't miss a show. We also have started Him for Her Crazy Testimonies. And each of our guests that we have on the show shares their personal testimony, how they received Christ in their life. This is Suge Burry. You know I love you. Over and out.